you ever wish that you could have a therapist as a friend? Well, now's your chance. I'm Marianne Griffith, and I'm the host of the Renewal Session Podcast, where each week we have real conversations about the messy and the meaningful things of life with me and some of my friends. I'm a therapist who's passionate about helping people break free of strongholds and create a better life. Pull up a seat and let's dive in to a real conversation. Welcome back to this week's episode of the Renewal Session. Katie, have you vocally warmed up for this morning? Okay, listen. Yes, I have warmed up. It was dramatic. I It's it's early. It's like 8.52, and I have you not really, really talked. say it's early. It's 8.52. It is early. I haven't really talked that much this morning, and the weather changing and everything, I just felt like I needed to get myself prepared Right, but your vocal, your vocal warm-up sounded like you were, like, hocking something up in your neck. That sounded That's different not true. than a vocal warm-up. <laughs> That's not true. That is not what it sounded like. <laughs> All right, girl. So today we're going to jump into the Feeling Good Handbook by Dr. David Burns. This is such a great book because it pushes forward all of these concepts that all of us kind of want answers about and charts about and, you know, all of these things. So he has a whole chapter on why people can't communicate. And so we're going to talk about one of his charts in his book on page 443. If you decide to go to Amazon and buy the book, it's called 10 attitudes that keep you from expressing your feelings. So Katie, Mm -hmm. did you know that you had 10 attitudes that keep you from expressing your feelings? Well, I know that I have attitude, yeah, but I didn't do. know there were 10 of them. <laughs> well, yeah. we'll see if you have, if you have all 10, because you know, the very first thing that I do when I get lists like this is I skim through them really quickly to right. just try to just try to determine which ones that I may or may not have. Yeah. It's like a personality test. It like, is. Yeah. Totally like reading those, like. Myers-Briggs and stuff. I always try and do that, but this is a lot more concise. So, well, and you know, the, one of the things that I like about this is that like in the world, a lot of times it really just comes down to people that aren't afraid of confrontation and those that are right. But this is so much more um, specific than that. So I think he just does a really good job. So we'll, let's talk about it. So number one on the attitudes of, um, that might keep you from expressing your feelings is conflict phobia, which is exactly what we were just talking about. It's the concept Mm -hmm. of being afraid to express your angry feelings or have conflict with people. Um, you may believe that people you care about would be hurt and so you, you feel like, oh, I can't say these things because this would hurt their feelings. Um, right. And he actually coins a term underneath this attitude called the ostrich, ostrich, yeah, ostrich yeah, like the big birds, phenomenon, yeah. which is you bury your head in the sand instead of dealing with the problems in the relationship. We, we, we don't call it the ostrich phenomenon in our house, but we definitely have some people in this house that like to bury their heads in the sand. Do you bury your head in the sand because you want to avoid conflict in relationships or do you just bury your head in the sand? I love how you're just like assuming that it's me that's in the family that buries their head in the sand. Oh, but yes. 
I wasn't assuming. I guess I just thought it was public knowledge. But then I realized, oh, it's just public knowledge to our family. Right, which would be private knowledge, but whatever. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think I buried my head in my sand. In this, my sand. My sand. Um, on a lot of different things. I think it's just like um when you don't know how to talk about, I think for me, it's like, I don't know how to talk about something with like the emotional vulnerability that is behind it without feeling like, oh, I need to protect myself. So I'm just going to dig my head in the sand, pretend like it's not there. You know, it's like when you're little and you cover yourself with your covers thinking, oh, if a bad guy comes in, he's not going to get me because I'm under my covers. Right. So it's like, oh, I'm going to dig my head in the sand from my issues because then my issues don't exist. Man, I could, I I just want to go off on a complete tangent because when you said that about putting your head under the covers, I was like, oh my gosh, I did that. And I Mm -hmm. never actually knew that other people did that. No, that's like a thing. No, like for the boogeyman purpose. Like, you know, some people put their heads under the the blankets because of, you know, oh, I want to like read a book and I'm not supposed to be up at night or something like this, but that's interesting. So, okay. So the next one that he talks about is emotional perfectionism. And I never really thought about this, but this happens a lot actually in client sessions is that you'll have a, a, a client who comes in and what you find out is they don't typically express anger or disappointment or jealousy anxiety, depression, they try to suppress all of their feelings because they've come up with a construct that in order to express their feelings, they have to lead and only Mm -hmm. state the positives or figure out a way to say it. And if you're going to say anything negative, you're going to say it in a way that sounds very put together. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, so I, I, a lot of times in counseling, I'm like, so what do you do with your anger, right? Like if, if you're not expressing it, where's it going, right? Have you ever, do you feel like you try to do emotional perfectionism and not show these feelings? And if so, why? Well, um, cause one of the things of this, the hallmark of this is that you don't want to appear weak and vulnerable, which suggests like- that those feelings in some way communicate that, which I, I don't think they do. I think anger is one of the largest power emotions that people will express. And it's usually the antidote to feeling powerlessness, right? Mm-hmm. So yeah. to me, it's like, actually the anger is going to give you the appearance of somebody that's much larger in their emotions, much more um, strong, I guess is the word I would use. But what do you think? Um, I don't typically get angry about things, but, um, and I, I also value emotions and like think that they're character building. So I don't tend to try and hide them. I just try and pretend that they're not, well, I guess that's the same thing. I don't know. I think that I witness this a lot at work, um, cause I work in a hospital and I think when people get angry at their coworkers, you know, you have to try and maintain pr- being professional, And I think rather than like going off on somebody, what I see is like passive aggressive jabs or like, you know, things like that. It just kind of finds its way of coming out somehow. But I think people minimize the emotional outburst and then it kind of manifests itself in other ways. Yeah. It's like they they lead out of 
their rationality and their need to control the situation. Yeah, like they're striving for emotional perfectionism, but yeah. in reality, it's going to find its way out somehow. Yeah. 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 No, I, this is not, this is not a thing I struggle with. Um, yeah. I don't actually, so far I'm not struggling with number one or number two. And mm-hmm. I think, I, I think I, I'm going to hit some of the other big ones. Let's <laughs> just start the two I struggle with. Right. Okay. So the next one is fear of disapproval and rejection. So this is the idea, right? That if I express my feelings that you're going to leave me. So it's better for me to just stuff it than it mm-hmm. is to express it because I don't want to be left. Right. Right. And, yeah. and I think I, I, I would say for me, when I was your age, actually, this was running like all over the place in my life right? because I, it, it was coupled with the fact that I had not come into my own. I had a weight issue. I had a, I want to be accepted issue. I want to be included. I didn't feel cool mm-hmm. because I was heavier than my peers. I didn't feel cool because I laughed loud and I was, you know, just, a little bit odd in some regards, but now I feel like I've embraced all of those feelings. But in my twenties, I would try to really hold back myself, not successfully, but I would try to hold it back because the minute I did something that wasn't socially right, I, this fear of rejection and disapproval would come in. And the irony, I was, I was actually hanging out with people that made that worse for me because they were people that withheld their feelings and they were people that used a lot of body language to suggest their feelings. So I was making assumptions on what their thoughts were. Right. So this was a thing for me earlier in life, but not necessarily something now. And I think that just has to do with me personally growing up and addressing some issues through therapy and being loved well by you and your, you know, you, your brother and your father. So, yeah. Well, I think this is also a big one too, when people start to kind of, I mean, as you were saying, find themselves or whatever, but I also think if you have beliefs that are very different from your family of origin, this can play a big part in having a hard time talking about things. Um, You know, people my age are discovering themselves. And so some of those things that they discover might not be things that are, you know, accepted by their family. And so I think there are a lot of people that also struggle with that. And so it is important to find a community of people that think the same. And so, you know, I grew up a really good point because your generation and um, the Gen Z, that's right. Right. I'm so old. I don't know where they stop and start, but um, millennial and Gen Z are the two big ones. Because you're millennial and your brother's Gen Z, right? Right. Yeah. So one of the things that I've noticed in parenting you guys is these real cultural shifts are happening in yeah. your in your younger years, um, and so I'm seeing divergent thinking coming from how we raised you, and and that being something that you have to figure out. But I do too because I I love you I love you and I accept you, and I right. don't want that to be conditional on how you vote, how you view these cultural conversations, how you right. view your faith and how you practice your faith differently. And so it's a real challenging. I, I think that would be a real challenge for your generation, particularly if you had parents that were typically more closed-minded or you know, had strong leanings you know, one way or another. I typically 
tend to be kind of moderate about most things in life. So um, well, I'd like to believe, go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'd like to believe that you guys wouldn't fear disapproval or rejection over those types of things. But, well, and I think also for a lot of people, it can require educating family yeah. members, mm -hmm. which adds like a whole other dynamic. You know, it's not yeah, just yeah. the fear of re rejection or disapproval. It's also the fear of, are they going to listen to me and like respect that I know what I'm talking about, especially yeah. when you're the younger person in the dynamic. So I think that that could be also uh, just another layer of why someone would have a hard time expressing their feelings in those situations. Well, and one of the things I like about doing the show with you is the fact that I really get to see how you process things. And it's, I think it's uncommon sometimes for um, there to be such a balance of respect between mothers and daughters when, you know, there is kind of this cultural shift. Like, I don't know that a lot of moms and daughters sit around and say, tell me what your deepest thoughts are. Maybe they do. I don't know. But, but I enjoy doing it with you because I, it allows me to see how you process and it actually grows me more because you always say something that I'm like, huh, I didn't even think about it that way. So right. that's super yeah. helpful. Okay. So number four, passive aggressiveness. <laughs> so I, think this this, I think this can be a default for people. You do? I think so. Yeah. So it's this like you pout and hold in your hurt or your feelings or your anger instead of sharing them openly. So like, yeah. I see this a lot in like relationships, like romantic relationships. I feel like on the internet, I watch a lot of TikTok and there's always these women that are like, he came home with no food for me, but did I tell him that I wanted food? No, but I'm still going to pout because he should have known better. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it kind of makes you default. wonder, it kind of makes you wonder, like, where did we all get all the women get the idea that you should read my mind? Cause men don't walk around thinking you should read their minds. And right. yet your father would say, well, it's cause there's nothing going on in there. Yeah. There's nothing to read. Yeah. No, I just think it's funny because I see all these women that are like pouting or passive aggressive or whatever. And it's like your guy, your man didn't even know, you know, or your or whoever right. didn't even know. And so, but I just I do think that the passive aggressiveness can be a default for people because it's easier to sometimes fight about things. <clears throat> I think that like passive aggressiveness leads to, you know, tension or whatever, which results in a fight. And it's easier sometimes for people that are not used to being emotionally vulnerable. It's easier to fight than it is to lead with vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Well, and, so, and I think, you know, sometimes the power of a, a silent treatment is much more effective than a lot of words, right? If I, if I, if I keep my mouth shut and I just start, you know, ignoring or um, banging things heavily, <laughs> turning up the remote when you're talking to me, right? All of these little like I, I don't want to talk to you. I don't have anything to say to you, but yet I really do. Yeah. Like I, I that's not my go-to, but I remember oh. when we were younger, this was your father's go-to, right? Oh, it's Papa's go-to? Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. What? Oh, a hundred percent. And I'd be like, you know, it's so, so aggressive, even though it's passive. <laughs> that makes me so anxious. Like if somebody did that to me, 
I would have like such a bad panic attack. I because there's it feels like there's no way to stop them from doing the silent treatment. That's what would freak me out. That's so like, get me to talk to you. And they're like turning up the sports show. And I'm like, I just want to talk. Like that would make me so anxious. Yeah. No, he he was definitely a walk away, don't say anything. You know, and I would follow behind him and say, what are you thinking? What are you thinking? And he would just stay shut down. So, okay, another another one of the 10 attitudes that um, keep us from expressing our feelings is number five, hopelessness. And this is when you convince that nothing's going to improve the relationship anyway. So why mm-hmm. bother? Right? So this is, uh, I'm tired. I'm tired of trying nothing's going to work. Nothing's going to change. So I'm just going to go about my life accepting the reality that this is what it is. Yeah. And I, I, again, I have never had this experience. I have this a lot with clients that are quieter, ironically, or, um, people that have a large, um, need to keep things in control. Right. Well, I also feel like this can be a very protective attitude like I think that there are people that invest and pour into people and it's just not like it's a one-way relationship you know and so I do think it's some to some extent having this hopelessness feeling in those kinds of relationships can be a protector from exposing yourself to someone who's not going to appreciate your emotional vulnerability if that makes sense yeah I mean I think that there are people who you know feel this way because they've tried and tried and tried again yeah. to get somebody to see their point of view or to like get attuned with them or build connection with, and they just can't get it to happen. Right. And so they just get so defeated. Yeah. Because it's like, you're, I, I, I've tried to get you to see my point of view. I've tried to find a thousand different ways to approach this and nothing seems to work. And the worst part is sometimes so I've had, I've hear, heard this story pretty commonly where somebody will try to get their point across and they'll try like, I don't know, five or six inroads to getting the other, their partner to understand or their friend to understand. Right. But what happens is it develops this pattern where the other person thinks you're trying to manipulate me. Mm. Right. Like you didn't work that you said it this way. So now you're going to go over here and say it this way. And now you're manipulating me. Right. Mm -hmm. So that creates another dynamic that's going on with how we communicate with one another, because a lot of times people are like, you know, they're trying to spot out ways to connect with a person, but they're getting shut down because the person has gotten, you know, caught, caught on to the different ways they're trying to get to the situation. So number six, low self-esteem, right? This is believes you you don't, you don't have the right to express your feelings or ask people um, to change their behaviors to meet your needs because you don't have a a whole lot of sense of self and you haven't decided about your value. Mm -hmm. Right. I I think um, uh, people who live in homes where they have a parent that's a very dominant parent have mm-hmm. a little bit later sense of self-esteem, meaning yeah. like, you know, until they get a little bit out from underneath the person, 
They don't yeah. find out that I have the right to a voice or I have the right to express what I feel because they have this dominant parent in their life. What they, the message they get is shut up, sit down and behave. Yeah. Right now that can be the same for a dominant partner, but I do think self-esteem um, really can be related to the dynamics of the relationships that you grew up in. Right. Would you agree? Yeah. Yeah, I would. And I also think that this, um, I also think this can translate over to professional situations. You know, I think that when, I think there's, uh, what's it called? It's imposter syndrome. Yeah. I think this is it? like a new thing. Yeah. It yeah. is. Yeah. So imposter syndrome is when you feel like, you know, you've earned your spot at the table, you know, you have the degree or you have the experience or you have the, you know, real world background of something and you've earned your spot at the table and yet you just feel like I'm an imposter like I don't I don't belong here these people are smarter than me whatever and I think that that can play into you know like I have my master's degree and I have two state licenses and that's not bragging but it's just the reality of it and sometimes I go to work and I think do I really know what I'm talking about <laughs> you know, and so I'm like, maybe I shouldn't say anything because I don't really know what I'm talking about. But like, you know, some of the people, you know, there, they're like, oh, you know what you're talking about? Come and say things. And I'm like, I don't, what, I, mm -mm. like, <laughs> not confident in that. So I'm just going to hold myself back rather than using it as a growing opportunity. So I do think it can translate over. I think that low self-esteem can translate over more than just family dynamics. It can, it can go in all areas of life, I think. Well, and what I appreciate about it is that it doesn't, it, it doesn't have to be compartmentalized. So mm, let me try to say this. So I believe in the concept of that we're made up of lots of different parts of ourselves, not in like a multiple personalities ways, but different, different reactions, different experiences, different stories create different responses, right? right? So I think there can be situations in our lives where we feel a strong sense of self-esteem and then in others, like a professional environment that you're new in, you're, you don't feel that same sense of mastery or that same sense of confidence. So I think that's a good point. So yeah. number seven, what do, you, what do you think number seven is? So seven is spontaneity. So you believe that you have the right to say precisely what you think and feel when you are upset and then you may feel that any change in the way that you communicate that will sound phony or ridiculous sure. so i have this you do i do you know that no I, I literally i read this one and i was like you know that know anybody that has this okay so just a little background <laughs> on me people that's alarming to I, me no i get into I feel like calling them holes are bad, but I get into these like holes of life where I get so consumed with one idea that I research it and I just fall in love with it. And I know every single thing about that. For instance, some holes I've gotten into in the past are hiking the Appalachian trail or building a tiny home or deciding I was going to be a person that can arm knit. I got into sourdough a little bit at the beginning of uh, quarantine. I did make one loaf. It was not good, but I love how you went from arm knitting to sourdough. I'm just saying, okay, but there's a lot of spontaneity in, in that, right? And so sometimes I feel like, oh, if I change my mind or if I'm not committed to this idea that people are going to think, oh, Katie's just talking about something random and she doesn't actually mean it, if that makes uh, sense, you know? Okay. okay. 
So I think that that, I mean, I think that there are other things in life where, you know, okay, so let's say, for instance, somebody decides that they're going to move across the country for a job opportunity. And they're like, oh, I'm so excited about this. Right. And then at the last minute, they decide, you know what, it's not the best decision. I think that that can be, you know, you can be nervous about talking about that because it makes you look like, oh, I was just silly. I was going to move across the country and people think I'm crazy. Uh, okay. You know, I think that's like when you think of spontaneity, that's what I think at least. Yeah. I, I tend to think of it more as, and I, I don't think either one is right or wrong, but I tend to think of it as like people get thrown off by spontaneous conversation. Your father says, you know, pretty often, <laughs> like, like why I I haven't thought about it. And I'm like, okay, but like right now you can think about it. Like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. right. Like he gets he gets all as he says I get all discombobulated. Like well, that's like, like pop. Like my grandpa, I live with my grandparents in Memphis, and um, pop has to have his palate like his food palate oh, set like two start. days in advance. So I'll come home on a Monday. Mm-hmm. Annie is talking about food and she's like well tomorrow night we're gonna have grouper for dinner and then the night after that I'm gonna make chili and I'm like okay that's two days out like it's <laughs> a long time no but this one cannot do spontaneity I can't remember cannot. who I was talking to on the phone the other day but I was walking around the neighborhood and I was talking on the phone to somebody and I literally mentioned that very thing. I said, when I was growing up, my dad worked in New York city and my mom was a very traditional home, homekeeper. Like she was your traditional mom, but she also ran a science department in the university. There's that. Right. Right. But she would come home every day to cook dinner. But a lot of times it was on the fly. There was no menu set. Yeah. Right. So she would call, my dad would call on his way home to get on the train what are we going to have for dinner tonight? And she, maybe she'd say spaghetti, right? He'd take the whole train ride, get his palate set to imagine the spaghetti, right? And then he'd get home and she'd serve tacos and he would be undone. Like he would be <laughs> literally like, who would think you would fight about spaghetti versus tacos? But this- He does that now. No, I know. It's yeah. like, I don't, I don't get it either. But, but the, like, the difference is he doesn't work now. So he has two days to set his palate. It's crazy. It's crazy yeah. because the thing of it is, is I do understand this, the, you know, when you start imagining spaghetti versus tacos, it creates a different experience inside yourself. But really? Yeah. Like really? Two days, yeah. you need two days, and you can't be flexible, but yeah. nonetheless, that's, yeah. that's a so side that's part. Spontane- that's spontaneity. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so mind reading. You believe that people should know what you feel. We just talked about this a little bit ago, right? Yeah. The, the TikTok mamas that come in and they're all upset because their husbands didn't know, and they should have right. known kind of, right, right. kind of thing. And that in mind reading, the one of the underlying assumptions is is that the person if they haven't properly mind read you that they don't care right right it's like oh if you couldn't figure out that today was a bad day and i needed a, you know some m&ms or a bottle of wine right <laughs> you tell what i need on my, 
Right. <laughs> my bad taste. Just the just the M and M's. Actually, I don't need the. Yeah, wine. you're not much of a right? wine drinker, but yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not. But but it, you know, some some reason I suspect that like you should be able to know that if I'm crabby, I need M and M's, and if you come home and you don't have any M and M's, that equals you didn't you're not tracking with me. Right. Because this is about attunement, right? Yeah. That y- you feel like you should know me so well that you right. know what I need. Which is why you should always make a Christmas list, people, because they don't actually know what you want. So yeah. make sure to make a Christmas list because you will end up with some funky stuff. That is the truth. I'm that just is saying. People truth. don't mind read. So make yourself a Christmas list. Yeah. Amazon Prime it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I've stumbled on some accident lists though. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> like sometimes you'll make a list and I'll be like, What why is she making a list list to go hike the Appalachian Trail? When oh. we should have been looking at your Christmas list. That was when I was on your Amazon. Yeah, I have my own Amazon now, Mom. So So you can hide your lists from me. Okay. Yeah. So number nine, martyrdom. And that's afraid that to admit that you're angry because you don't want to give anyone the satisfaction of knowing you're upset. That mm. this is a pride reason. Yeah. I, again, I don't really have this. I see that a lot at work. You do? I see that a lot at work. Yeah. Explain. People just like get into it, man. They just like poke each other. And then, some, and then the other person's like, you know what? I have other things to go do. And then they go off and they start talking trash about that person around the corner. And I'm just like, you, you held it in so hard to not tell them that you were upset. And then they're going to find out you're upset because you're talking to everybody else about it. Right. <laughs> so, right. That's funny. So I see that a lot at work with, especially with my nurses. Cause they don't always work with the same nurses. So you see a lot of influx of personalities uh-huh. And so it can be, it can be pretty crazy up at the nurse's station. <laughs> That's so funny because the other part of it is, is like, these are people too, to me, like this way of doing it. Cause it's not, again, it's just parts of us. It's not the whole, right. right, right. right? Um, I think of this more like I had this, I had this meeting one time and the people in the meeting um, really ticked me off. Like mm-hmm. I was real ticked off and everything. And I was like, I am not going to show anything. I'm going to look like a blank slate as a way to actually appear. I was angry, but I also wanted to make them uncomfortable. Oh. Like they were victimizing me. Yeah. Right? So I guess I have done this on occasion where I'm like, I have to stuff my feelings because... I do not want to get in the middle of this. I, I don't, I don't want to have this issue with you. And I pride myself in those moments when somebody's really ticking me off Yeah, to keep, to keep my emotions clear. Like I, I'm not, I'm not letting you, I was watching the crown last night and yeah. I don't know what season I just picked it up and started watching, but there had been this terrible accident in Wales back in the sixties. And I guess there's a rule in the royal family that you don't show emotion at certain events or these types of things. And yeah. one of the questions that somebody asked Queen Elizabeth was, well, did you show any emotion? And she said, nobody wants to see 
vulnerability from their head of state. And I was like, huh, never really thought about that. <laughs> like, I don't know, if Biden started crying, how would I feel? I, I think, I think he therapist, needs to cry in an accident. therapist, you would appreciate it. Oh, yeah. But, but I'm just saying it was just an interesting. That would not. It's, yeah. it's interesting to realize, like, some people hold in their emotions because they believe that the power is actually in the lack of expression. Mm-hmm. Okay. So then yeah. the final one is, um, I this attitude is about what keeps you from expressing your feelings and it's a need to solve feelings. So when you have conflict with someone, you go around and around in circles trying to solve the problem without sharing your feelings openly or hearing what the other person has to say. In other words, I'm going to solve it, not express it. Right. Like we're stuck in a maze and instead of saying, I'm terrified, saying okay do we turn left or right yeah and i don't think this is a bad i mean i think you need both right like you need to be able to express your feelings and still come up with a problem solve or solving the problem right yeah there's a balance between productivity and vulnerability for sure yeah so well those are the 10 yeah i think that was good you feel like i mean i try i've always tried really hard because i grew up in a family that did express a lot of emotion in various forms, mm-hmm. um, good, good and bad, right? It wasn't like they leaned one direction real heavily. Right. Maybe, maybe one direction heavily. Maybe one nonetheless, direction. They, there was a lot of expression, a lot of expressiveness going on in my family of origin. And so for me, communication and expressing feelings um, felt very natural. Right. That was a, I think that actually was a real gift that they gave me is that um, people say a lot of times that, wow, you, you don't seem to be bothered by a lot. And I'm like, oh, I think I am, I am bothered. The difference is, is that there were strategies that my family taught me like laughter or processing um, things in a way that allowed the, the processing itself allowed for me to move the emotion along kind of Mm -hmm. thing so so it's fun to get to see lists like this because i'm like ooh, which one am i and i would say if i'm gonna land on something as of right now i would say emotional perfectionism is the reason that i tend to hold back my feelings now and it's Mm -hmm. really not so much because um i want to get it um I think it's my profession that causes yeah. that, you know, like I have to really come in not having it be about me, Yeah. but there's no way you can sit with clients and not have experiences, emotional experiences. Right. Yeah. Transference. So, so I tend to have to really figure out how do I communicate my feelings mm-hmm. in, the, in a way that is effective for, for everybody. Right. Yeah. I can't just be ticked off and express myself just wildly. So do right. you have a you have a top one that you settled on? I think it's probably um I don't know. I feel like when we were reading through low self-esteem, but I don't feel embarrassed about that. I think it's just one of those things where it's like when you're in your 20s, you feel like I'm developing my sense of self 
if that makes sense. And so I think that there's naturally a lower self-esteem because you don't have a sense of self. Yeah. If that makes sense. And so I think that that one, when I was reading through that, I was like, yes, I, yes, I struggle with conflict phobia, but that's only on like a few areas of my life where I'm really burying my head in the sand. But I think overall, the thing that I kind of work on is this sense of self-esteem because I'm trying to develop a sense of self. And I think that that's true for a lot of millennials. So yeah. Good stuff. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So as we're wrapping up and it's a total divergent statement, did you love my TikTok I sent you this morning with James Corden and Justin Bieber? I did. Yeah, you can tell how Canadian Justin Bieber is. So she, if you don't know what, what? she's talking about, because he, he did like that, yeah, no. Like that, that yeah, no system of conversation is definitely a Canadian thing that trickled down to the Midwest. Yes. So if you don't know, like, yeah, no means actually no. No, yeah means actually yeah. And then if you're like, yeah, no, yeah, for sure. That's like, oh yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it's like a whole thing. I don't know that. Just think about it. It makes sense. Like, yeah, no. I'm saying, did you watch something? No, I've just seen it on the internet. People talk about it. But anyway, so Justin Bieber and James Corden were doing their carpool karaoke, and James Corden was trying to make up choreography to one of Justin's dances or songs. And so he was doing these like goofy moves, and Justin was like, yeah, no, like, no, immediately no, but you still hold value. (laughs) that's what i love i love you and you are valuable i was like justin's been to therapy (laughs) i love that actually what i thought (laughs) i was like justin's been to therapy we love that for him (laughs) i love it no i i am really enjoying justin bieber as he becomes an you know he's funnier for sure yeah yeah he's he's so much more enlightened so anyway yeah if you haven't if you haven't seen that tiktok you definitely need to go on there with uh james corden and justin bieber it's just cute because he like taps and taps him on his chest and he's like you're still valuable man good try (laughs) that dance adds no value but you you're valuable you are valuable (laughs) (laughs) so all right well hey have a great day Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Renewal Session Podcast. Make sure to head on over to iTunes and rate and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode. New episodes are dropping every Thursday, and I can't wait for you to tune in to next time. Until then, live your best life.